Alright, welcome to We Are Something Else tonight. Flavor in your ear. Microphone check one two one two episode twenty three. <laughs> CB, MJ. what's up? Yo yo yo! I should have just kept that going. Episode twenty three. CB, what's up? That would kind of been like a. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what you did, Somewhat of a play. Yeah. What's yeah. up? Is that why you got that jersey? Nah. He's oh, got and he's got, got a CB uh, exactly. shirt jersey on Charles Barkley. I mean, Charles Barkley was my first favorite athlete that I can consciously remember. Nice. Like he was my first, the first, a- and not because I thought it was a role model. I was about to say, you know, because he was a beast on the court. Nice. So yeah, no, no Charles, sir, Charles was nice, exactly. and I think he's hilarious. Right. Uh, like all the NBA on TNT stuff, him and oh, Shaq. No. Like and I would, I really wish that too. they just like had their own sitcom or something. Right. I would watch that every celebrity week. celebrity boxing match. I wouldn't mind seeing them go at it. <laughs> Two ultra weights. <laughs> uh, Superfly, what's good? Good man, good. Um, it's been it's been a while, guys. But all right, whatever. You know, we got we got a lot to jump into. Um, start with South Africa. Ooh, one of us was just in South Africa. Who was wasn't that? me? Yeah, nah, it wasn't me either. Alright, alright. Yeah. <laughs> Flexing. Oh man, yeah. Back from your your travel your 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 world tour because you were in Miami. Yep. And then you only stayed here for. Forty-eight hours. <laughs> yeah, bounced to South Africa. Yep. So tell us about South Africa. Man, it was it was an awesome experience. So my, my sister got married out there. Her, they went through uh, with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. they went through with it. Um, my brother-in-law is from Durban, originally. Mm-hmm. So um, he actually ended up in the states. I want to say it was around. He was like fifteen or sixteen years old. The basketball team that he was on came over to the States to play like in some tournament or whatever. And he ended up staying. Um, so uh, basically had this family in Virginia who had uh, essentially adopted him for while, the time that he was in the States. So wow. they kind of gave him like a sponsorship. Yeah. Something, something like that. Um, and this dude was a state champion in track and field. I think he did hurdles. I don't, I don't remember, uh, but it was state champion in track and field. And he played one year of football in high school 
ended up at William and Mary playing defensive end. Wow. So like nice. the dude is any he, any he smart, but then as soon as he graduated, I don't know what the grace period is or whatever, but he wasn't able to secure a visa because it's essentially like a lottery. So even though the place where he was working wanted to sponsor him and keep him on, like it was out of their control because he wasn't awarded one of these visas from the government. Wow. So he had to go back to South Africa. Um, he's working in Cape Town now. And that's essentially where we uh, we shacked up for ba- almost two weeks, wow. um, Cape Town. So, so, but there there are plenty of different visas, right? You could get like a student. I'm assuming his student visa ran out, right? Yeah, I'm guessing that's that's get, had to have been student, what it was. There's work. There's yeah. Okay. But yeah. now, him and my sister are just in the process of him getting whatever the next step is because yeah. i don't i'm not familiar with it is myself your sister so. Here or is she over so there? she's gonna be over there for i think another week or two mm-hmm. um because they basically get to up to this point uh since he had to go back like they only get to see each other so many weeks out the year so wow. um not, that's not an easy flight to make no uh yeah because it was 23 hours i had to live through it uh, there and back now um and this guy and quincy did it you know, a number of times going back and forth between South Africa and, and the States. Um, but yeah, my sister's out there still for uh, a little bit. My The rest of my family just got back because me and my brother had uh, had to dip out before uh, the rest of my fam. But they just got back. But yeah, my sister's going to be over there for a little bit. And then the hope is Quincy will be over here uh, in the next month or two by the end of the year. Wow. Yeah. I, I know that can be. I, I had a friend that was dealing and working through that, trying to get his fiance at the time like a visa to come over here to live but they had to mm-hmm. prove that they knew each other longer than a year or they were engaged longer than a year something like that so i don't know if all the rules are the same yeah i don't know uh but it's it's it's, it's a struggle i mean yeah. and definitely if you're not committed to one another seriously mm-hmm. like that that can co- right. create separation and a lot of companies aren't willing just to just foot the bill right to pay for sponsorship right know? right so but uh best of luck yeah. Uh, yeah so what's your sister's last name? September. Wow. That's easy. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, my man's uh, IG handle is the ninth month. Like that's sick. That's, <laughs> that's a good play. All right. All right. Well Best done. of luck to Mister Mrs. September. Yeah. Exactly. The ninth month. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. That's dope. All right. <laughs> Shout um, out Quincy. Let's see what uh, real, we got real quick because he might want to chime in on some of these topics. We got a special guest in the house. Uh, he's a loyal listener. He finally was able to come through. Um, introduce yourself. What's up? What's up? What's up? Good to be here. I am a, a loyal listener. A, uh, I'm definitely a fan of the show. I listen to this show on the way to work. Um, probably when I'm doing paperwork in the office. Nice. Yes, yeah, so I, I really, really enjoy the show, the chemistry. Um, listening to it from day one to now it's growing so it's just an honor here. to be here. episode 23 you're yeah. on the you're on the, the adult side of it uh <laughs> so what, what we're gonna call episode. you tonight because you gotta go by some, several names that's why i was trying to get you to introduce yourself what, what are we gonna yeah, call well, you as i've developed into the artist i am now then i use the government there's no tricks or you know no flashy cars it's just justin justin all right <laughs> there we go we got to that justin all right so, welcome, Justin. Uh, we're going to get to his story and just a little bit after we go through some of these um, topics I'm sure everybody want to talk about. So, we want to talk about something that's going to get us fired up first or something that's positive. 
Where do you mm. want to go with this? Let's get fired up first. Fired up? And, th- and then bring it back down. All right. Yeah. Fucking Jerry Jones. Let's go there. <laughs> Massa. Let's go with Massa. Oh, man. And me, Jerry. I am a Cowboys fan. Believe yeah, it or not, this, is, this, is, yeah. this has got me hot. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm to the point where now I'm torn. Now, for those who may be living under a rock... Who you don't gotta know? Call, you got to toe the line. Who, 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 to say you got to toe the line. Right. I'm actually not kneeling as I'm talking about this. I'm, I'm sitting down. But uh, for those who don't know, the NFL is still having this great big debate about protesting and kneeling the flag. We've already talked. We talked about it plenty of times and what it means and why we're doing it. But what the perception that we'll say 45 is giving it, uh, and then now the NFL owners are giving it too. They're taking something positive, putting it into a negative light. But anyways, Jerry came out and said that his players will stand. They will not sit in the locker room if they choose, if they wanted to. They're all going to stand, and they're going to respect the flag, respect the national anthem. Now, and those who don't do it will not play for the Cowboys. Now, as a Cowboys fan, the first thing I would say is fuck your Cowboys. <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously, like, I don't care how much you're paying me. And it's a healthy amount of money, but are my principles or my morals, if I'm something passionate about, is your money enough to make me just say, get yeah, toe the line? Just yep. And I gotta say, all right, so Dallas Cowboy fans who live in D.C. love to talk about how the history of the Dallas Cowboys, how they were the first, one of the first franchises to have like a black quarterback and or black players on their team, mm-hmm. and that the Redskins were the last. You know, I'll leave the the terrible name aside. It was one of the last teams to integrate in the NFL, yeah. so that's why they have a lot of black, a, a, a large black fan base in DC. Uh, so it's it's really interesting that Jerry Jones, you know, has chosen to, you know, kind of ignore that. I'm sure he has to know, um, but because I have other friends who are Cowboys fans who, who are beginning to express the same kind of right. sentiment you are. But you can't be. My thing is, real, not to cut Balance. you off, but you can't be that far off of trying to twist the truth in your head to make you realize, you know, you know what the point is, but you're so far, like, not even focused on that, that you convince yourself it's about something else. Like, have I ever done that before? Like, have I ever gotten a sign from a girl that she's really not into me, but I've convinced myself she wants me? It's <laughs> 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 oh. almost the same thing. Yeah. I mean, there have been jokes for the last number of years about the fragility of Jerry Jones's mind. And he's been spouting off like a crazy person right. recently. Right. So um, I don't know, man. It's one of those things where as a Redskins fan, I love seeing the Cowboys like <laughs> on the wrong side of the news. Uh, but at the same time, for this for this issue in particular, like. This, like this is tough. Like it's it's one of those things where I'm trying to relish in a lot of my Cowboys friends like their misery, but at the same time, like I feel for them because, like, it's this isn't something that you would think at you know in the year 2018 that we're still right. dealing with on a level that I don't remember it being like this a couple of years ago. Like, all of a sudden, you know, certain people came out from hiding and uh, they're being real loud about how they really feel. Right. And that's our flag. That's, yeah. that's my, like, who? Here's the thing. If, you know, this their quote-unquote America's team is the same team that signed Greg Hardy. Like, that's, yeah, let's get got, to that point. That was a great point. Nate were, Newton. Exactly. Uh, 
Yeah, Greg Hardy. I mean, I Michael mean, Irvin. Jerry Jones himself. I mean, there's definitely rumors about him as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who? I can imagine him how, in, how with ladies. going to have the moral high ground on this particular issue? Like, is beyond me. An issue yeah. that that is more relevant in every news story that you see. I mean, this is a real issue. Like, that's why people are protesting it. But the drugs, like you said, the the womanizing, the battery, the just the yeah. criminal records. That that doesn't get that doesn't get looked at. That's just okay. That's fine. We can mm-hmm. we can still do that, but we can't pro we can't kneel for the flag. Right, right. Um, I was gonna have, bring up a point about about Jerry. Oh, and then last year the I'm a, I'm gonna say the word coonery <laughs> that that one week that the whole league kneeled together in protest of Trump and to see Jerry's old ass get down there and and kneel like. Is this like a new trend now? I mean, is this this is the trend? Like they're taking the whole point away from Kaepernick. Well, like, what the whole point was. What really cracks me up is that Jerry Jones has always tried to come off to me as the owner that's cool with the players, you know. And yeah. then it's like, nah, but this is actually Jerry Jones right here, dog. Right. Like, come on, man. I don't. How did how does he kneel, and then? Then say kneeling is disrespecting the flag. But they kneeled in solidarity. That was the whole yeah, point. Yeah, that yeah, that yeah. week was all we locked arms and we kneeled in solidarity. Well, it's like either it's either it is offensive or it's not. You did it. Like well, how can it be offensive? And right? I don't. I, well, that's the point I don't get. Because the whole idea behind all so this go, stuff. Let's is, go to part two of that. Because there's a part two of this story. <laughs> there's Dak Prescott <sighs> who comes out. Dick Prescott. Says, yeah, <laughs> Dak Prescott comes out and, and and gives his views on it. It just so happens to be. Right after Jerry gave his his views on what what was the punishments and what was going to happen by doing it. Now, had that come out last year, maybe and said it, or had there been some space in between Jerry's words and Dak's words, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have jumped on it so fast. But the fact that they were almost twenty four hours or whatever behind each other, I'm like this token ass dude right here. Right. So I took, all right, I'm, I'm about to take Bomani Jones's take on this thing, and I kind of agree with him. For Dak Prescott and for Zeke, especially for Zeke, um, these guys, they're in a tough position because they're both on their rookie contracts. Mm-hmm. They don't have the freedom that, uh, you know, imagine it's your first couple of years at work and all of a sudden you're supposed to be, you know, Malcolm X. And, you know, at the same time you need a paycheck. So I understand the uh, the willingness to try to tell the company line. However, I thought that that kind of went extra when he didn't need to. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. And he kind of he kind of made you think that he actually feels that way. You know what I, I mean? mean? Based on based on the way he stated it. And we don't know what the, like I said. We, that we don't know what the real truths are. Like how many of these puppet strings are being pulled to look good in front of the media. Now, to me now. I've thought about this. So everybody's last year protested the NFL. I mean, football is a sport I grew up playing. I loved it. Like, I mean, I still love playing it, watching it too. But I'm like, now it was getting to the point where I'm like, okay, do I watch it and just don't root for anybody just for the love of the game? Or do I just sit back and like, you know what? If I catch a game, I catch a game or I just let it go. I mean, that's the point where I'm at now. At first I was, I was like, yeah, I'll watch and I'll just see what it's doing. But now I'm like, eh, I don't know. So I'm torn. This is one of those things. Um, Do you think that this will cause, with Jerry Jones being at the top of the 
this new rock that was splashing to the pond, the, the ripple effect would be a loss of Cowboys fans? I think it's going to be 50-50. I think you're going to have the older fans. There'll be a lot of older fans who, who probably won't watch, who will probably do their form of protesting or just try, if you can try to hit Jerry for his pockets, you know. But the, the younger ones who really maybe not don't, you know, want to get involved with the cause or whatever like that. They, I mean, the younger ones are still watch, but I think the, the older people who've been affected by it or who understand what it's for, I think they will choose. They, I think they may be struggling right now with the decision mm-hmm. to make. Yeah, I was curious because I, I know somebody who's very close to me who's been a diehard, diehard Cowboys fan who said, I'm done. He said, I'm done with them. This was after watching ESPN the next morning. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm. I mean, it, to me, they didn't even have to do it. Like this, it was kind of an issue that seemed like it was kind of going away. But then the NFL came out with a rule: right, right. stay right. in the locker room if you de- if you decide to. Like yeah, they're trying, they, they they've been trying to, to put the fire out with gasoline. Yeah, like exactly, they're idiots. Exactly. Like, like just just don't show up if you if you don't. How about how about this? Just don't play the national anthem. Hey. I mean, they haven't always. Yeah. yeah. How the about, problem is they're getting paid to do it. Right. Right. But and now and that no it's a thing, it's a thing and it's the ratings, it's, it's on TV. Like it's being broadcast. Yeah. So at first, you know, being, you know, having black quarterbacks used to be, oh, that's that's the you know, that's the team right there. You got a black quarterback. That's not enough anymore. It's like black ownership. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's 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 gonna be hard to get in that in that ball game. You know, also to take it a step further to get a little deeper in it. The, all right, so the point of the NFL doing uh, the national anthem during games, you know, that came out in the 2000s before we went into the Iraq War, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to drum up support for the military, trying to get people to start to reenlist and mm-hmm. stuff like that. When you begin to politicize all this stuff around the military, you're going to ha- not only have an impact on people not watching football, there's going to be people who don't want to serve. Right. You know? And it, could have the, it could have the negative effect. Exactly. So, you know... And no one's really talking about that, you know. Um, I would love to see the numbers of enrollment from early two thousands to kind of now. Like, what was the impact when they when it happened back then? And now, what's the impact? Mm-hmm. Right. right. How many people want to serve now when they realize that? And I say a lot of people serve. You know, I don't know. I I, I think there's a fair amount who, um, who are very patriotic and are serving to serve their mm-hmm. country. There's yeah. a lot of people who don't have a choice really yeah. that that's that's the best option for them right um but yeah i'd be interested too to look at the enrollment um right. as a recent we need a statistician we need to hire one somebody <laughs> can just look it up real quick when we talk right. just let us know all right well, enough enough about that foolery anybody <laughs> else want to talk about the first first nfl game is tomorrow by the way yeah whoopee whoopee yeah. do yeah um, it will have played by the I'm time watching we uh yeah launch this off or whatever whatever um, Hopefully my man RG three does something. Is he playing? Wow. Yeah, playing? yeah. It's uh, it's the Ravens and the Brown or the Ravens and the. It's not the Browns. He's on the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. But he's on the Ravens. Yeah. Him okay. and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Wow. That's it. No, they still got Flacco. Oh, okay. I'm not, yeah. yeah. No, no, Flacco. They paid him all I'm that totally money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. You're right. Um. So let's let's, let's talk about something positive now. Something that humanitarian. Like out building outside of being an athlete, because we can be any any color. Outside of being athletes, we can also be great people and return, you know, invest in our communities and children and the next generation. Let's talk about LeBron James. Let's do it. My man, 
built a school. Like, I mean, that's Oprah Winfrey type stuff. Oprah built the school for girls over, I don't know if that's Africa. Africa. Yeah, Africa. But my man, and it not just built the school, free tuition. Like, he's giving these kids bicycles and helmets to get back to back and forth. Free traveling uh, outside of two miles. You know, free mm-hmm. uh, commuting. Um, a food uniforms, bank. a food bank for families who don't have. And then if they graduate, he's giving them tuition to um, Akron U- University. There's also a parent parental education, too, there for yeah. parents. Mm. Like, dude's a superstar. He's revolutionizing, you know, public education, too. It, exactly. And then what's it? Exactly. There you go, right there. Free education. Like, there's no stipulations. Just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's probably it's a waiting list. It's not a charter school. It's a, and he's not. All right, so it's not the he's also it's geared towards the lowest performing kids in the third and fourth grade in that community too. Wow. So like a lot of charter schools you have to test to get in and a mm-hmm. lot of people have issues with the charter schools because, because of testing. they get the top students in order to get the most money. Right. He's doing a reverse model. You know, so you wow. have a lot of struggling kids and you're trying to bring them up to mm-hmm. where the other kids are, you know, in the same level. That's like it's gonna be rough. That's but phenomenal. It is. It's. It's to be commended. I think to at least try it out. And it's. T- it's tough though, man. You got to be on your p's and q's with when, when you're dealing with people's kids. Right. And then, not only that, I mean, I, I know for him, it's probably a passion and all that. But then it's mostly the investment. But you got to have people you trust with the investment to make sure that you're that you're successful and that you your, your opportunity that you present is going to succeed. Mm-hmm. But wow, that's that's amazing. Yeah. You actually using and he did it in his community. He did it in his like Mm -hmm. his community. He just moved to to L. A. Well, I mean, he had a house in L. A. He could have did it in L. A. Where he knew he was going to be. He put it. You can't tell him to shut up and play basketball no more. Exactly. Who was the lady? Whoever her name was. Don't even care about her anymore. Right. More than an athlete. And it's cool. It's like he didn't. He didn't say. He didn't announce. I'm going to make a school. He didn't. It came out of nowhere. It just. It was like bam. Here's my school. Yeah, you know. It just literally <laughs> came out of nowhere. Like I had heard rumblings that you know he said he had he wanted to do something like that. It was something mm-hmm. greater was coming. But my man just opened up a school. Like that's. It that's looked like it is. looked like the X Men school too. No, it was dope. It was. I mean, for I, I don't the area that it's in, like to give these kids something like that. It's gonna be it's gonna be a big difference, man. Yeah. And. Like and we'll, pe- he's we, changing people's minds. Right. Yeah. And we're going to hear about it all the time because, you know, the media is waiting to come down on it as soon as they can. Oh, yeah. Because that's, that's what the media does. I mean, even, the, you know, the Internet always wins. And they are even I saw a meme that was actually pretty funny. It was a good one <laughs> where they did. Uh, I don't know if you all were fans of The Office, oh, but you remember um, Scott's uh, Michael Scott's tots. Yeah. yeah. They had a picture of Michael Scott in the classroom with all the kids with the same cut of blue shirt. And then LeBron in the same kid, same cut of blue shirt. LeBron's tots versus Scott's, Scott's tots. <laughs> and I'm like, that. I saw one with so there's the the like the picture of LeBron with the suit on. It's got the breakdown of what the school gets. I saw one with Donnell Rawlings. Oh on yeah, it. Oh. and it's got the breakdown of like it's like hood. It's like the school of ashiness or Ashy, something like yeah. that. <laughs> it's like free lotion or <laughs> moisturizer. <laughs> Uh, Ashley Larry is still funny. Right. Um, the media, you're right. The media is going to – we'll see what the media do. I already saw how even Jordan comparisons are coming in, and they're Jordan. I ride with him. Jordan's my man. Like, right, Jordan's right. my Jordan's my man. But now there's things surfacing about 
LeBron's opening up schools and Le- Jordan's investing in private prisons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 surfaced. Um, and you know they always do the the goat. Yeah. Test, yeah. No. Yeah. That's back and forth. So it's like the media is going to have their way, and I hope it's nothing but a positive light they shed on LeBron. Look out for a Jumpman Academy coming in 2015, uh, 2025, I'm Please, sure. Please, don't mess with the plug. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, uh, okay, so speaking of Jordan and LeBron, both have have kids and they're the kids were hyped to go Jordan's kids, you know, were hyped to go into the league or standing, you know, in their dad's shadow. Could they make it to the league? Now we got Bronny and you got Bryson, but Bryson's younger. So you're not, he's not really getting too much of the hype right now, Yeah. but Bronny's getting it because he's, 13 he's, he's now. going to high school soon mm-hmm. and he's, he's developing into what seems to be a miniature of his dad right now. Do we, do a lot of the kids, do you think it's hard for the, of course it's hard for the kids to live up to their parents' expectations, but has there ever been any kid to succeed what their parent has done in the NBA? Hmm. Off the, I don't, well, I don't that's think a good question. Been, I can think of two right now, and that's Steph and Clay. Right. Yeah. But those only two. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But. Yeah, no, I. Yeah, I can't think of any right now either. I mean, but even with that said, like, in terms of their place in the game, like, well, their parents weren't, like, top five at any exactly. one point. Right. Like, so that's a thing. different scale and, that you're... That like, you're I mean, here. would... Yeah, like, Steph Curry is ridiculous, but... Did anyone think it was really that much of a stretch that he'd end up being better than Dell? Right. Like Dell was a great player and everything, but I mean, the role player. You know, know. it's it's not. We're not talking about Michael Jordan. Right. You know, we're, I think the, the odds were stacked against Steph a little bit because he was short. I was shorter than his dad. Uh, he didn't get the. He didn't get the big. He didn't big get the schools. big school nod. Right. Mm-hmm. And he. But his he, talent was clear. Like right. even back then, like oh, he could yeah. play. And he struggled. He struggled with injuries. Yeah. And he was small too. Weak ankles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, just give him two, two, three years, and all of a sudden this dude is. I mean, yeah. because MVP. We've talked about it before. Shooting, transcends. Yeah. Like he just yeah. needed. He just needed to get an adult body. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, to go along with his adult shooting ability. Right. 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 But as far as expectations go, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. think Steph had to... No one was asking him, was he going to be as good as his dad or exceed his dad, right? Like, like he right? had... He did develop for himself a lot of hype through how well he played while he was at yeah, Davidson. Davidson. Mm-hmm. And so they I do think that the there was... Yeah. He, yeah. He, 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 yo, he was... He's out there, you know... I think he was putting up like 30 burgers or something. Yeah. Like, he was doing his thing. And like... So I do believe that there certainly was talk. There had to have been talk about, oh, you know, his dad was, and because his dad was a good player, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, it's like another bas- basketball family, blah blah blah. Uh, but not to the like he wasn't getting it at thirteen, right, no. you know, not like yeah, no, yeah, not Bronny is Bronny when you're Bronny. talking about your dad is. The, the greatest player on the planet now yeah. and in the discussion for one of the best to ever play the game, period. Yeah. So, like, it's... I think for the kids nowadays, because of social media, it's just a completely different landscape than it was for any and generation of players. that much harder. Yeah. Because the world is watching. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's completely different yeah. from any other generation of players because 
the social media aspect now is even different than it was five years ago. Yeah. It was different than it was 10 years ago. So you like, almost have to tune it out. You almost have to turn it off right. and focus on your game. Like you can't pay attention to what anybody says. Like at this point, Skip Bayless is, is right is right and checking for you. You got Stephen A. Smith who's saying things. Remember the negative or positive, but they're still talk like your mm-hmm. name is in rotation of ESPN, right. Fox right. Sports, that kind of thing as a fourteen year old. Yeah. And what's funny is cause the whole f- and it's actually this is what baffles me because of the social media aspect. Mm-hmm. They're like, Oh, Bronny's first dunk. Yo, the video of him dunking, that didn't look that like didn't he look had, like that the was first the first dunk. time he had ever <laughs> done that. I know <laughs> he's, he attempted he's, he's in probably game, been doing it at the crib yeah. like for a while now. I know he attempted it in the game a couple weeks ago and he missed, but the fact that he attempted it shocked. We've seen his dad miss wide open dunks in the league. Yeah. So he can be excused of that. Yeah. But all right. Well, I, what do you think is expect what do you th- think the likelihood of him I think he'll make the league for sure. The the the, the path is set for him. But what do you think about his productivity? If he continues to develop, like, from the player that he is now, like, exponent, like mm-hmm. I guess, not exponentially, but, the like, appropriately, mm-hmm. like, as you, I mean, the kid could have a huge impact. If, he, if he's built at all like his dad, yeah. like, the, what makes LeBron different is he has the ridiculous ridiculously god-given physical tools and he matches that up with a great basketball iq and actual like ability yeah Yeah. so because i mean there's plenty of dudes who are like oh man he's got a great mind if only he had you know so and so skills or oh man this guy's a freak athlete but he you know he's a knucklehead or whatever a crazy work ethic too yeah no like that's that's the thing it we, you know, we can joke about LeBron as much as we want because he does some things that are clownable. Mm-hmm. But this dude doesn't miss games. Right. Like, you... You played you, all 82 games. You can't... Play every game last season. Right. And, and at, in what, his age 33, 33 season or whatever? Like, years. we're talking about this dude is supposed to be on the downhill part of his career, most likely, or getting to the point where he's supposed to start descending. And he's still the best player in the world. Seven straight finals. Yeah. So all that mileage. Eight. No, is it eight or seven? It's like fifty-five now right. at this point. I mean, <laughs> probably two extra seasons, you know, in the playoff games. You know what I mean? I oh. mean, I think this year he passed Jordan in terms of total number of playoff games. Right. Um, like, there's something to be said about this dude's consistency and his longevity. And you don't like it's I feel like it's way more common to see uh, someone to flash real brightly for a short period of time and then they're gone. Yeah. LeBron's been doing it for 16 years. And right. I, I think we've been like if, if you on all different platforms, like the era that we've grown up in, we've seen some of the greatest musicians there will ever be. We've seen some of the greatest boxers there will ever be some of the greatest basketball players there will be some of the greatest football players there would be hell we grew up in an era we've seen the first black president like right. this, this era that we're we're lucky to be in like we've witnessed a lot of first and i feel like there would be it's gonna be hard even the next generation it's gonna be hard to to witness a lot of things that we've seen mm-hmm. i think you're going to see a lot more um uh players whose parents played in the league or, or you know played in the league 
uh, partly because you have these kids now who have they're going to have access to like trainers and right. uh, elite level. And that's uh, the thing about Brian practicing and, and yeah. exposure. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something that helps Steph. Right. I think he's spoken about it before. Like it's it's not like like his situation growing up wasn't the same as LeBron's. Right. You know, like he came. His from, issue was you know, which he paved the way for his his brother got the Duke look yeah. and he didn't. Mm-hmm. Right, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, let's be real. Seth Curry, outside of sharing the last name, isn't all the same block. Yeah. No. So, but they all were all like we missed right Steph. So now yeah. we gotta we gotta right. yeah yeah, and I mean. He's not a bad player. No. I mean, I'm telling you, he was on all of my just 2K as, teams. He's just not Because he was a free agent <laughs> right. that could shoot really right. well in the game. He's just not his brother. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's so I think. He's a solid NBA player. He's just not one of the top five best players right. in the league, which right. his brother is. Quietly is kept. And we've got a long way to go to, to see what's going to happen. But I think since the, the, the less pressure is off of Bryce right now. I think he could be the one to really have the better game. It's possible. Because he's already, his brother's getting the hype. He's quiet. He could be quietly in the background, just just balling. Well, it's not going to be quiet because he's a LeBron James kid. But. It's kind of like LiAngelo, right? Is that the youngest? <laughs> yeah. Ball? Yeah. Uh, he's the one. Yeah, LaMelo. Is it LaMelo? Something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, whatever. <laughs> Either way. The one with the long like, hair. The right. difference right now, I feel, is just that. Because Bronny is at the age where, like, they start looking at these yeah. kids for college yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Whereas his brother's still like, still younger, so yeah. it's not. He's just not at that point yet where it makes as much sense to get super hyped over him. Right. But like Dwayne Wade's kids, like his one kid, he's on there. Um, they're like, right. You know, up. they're balling. Um, Shaq's like, son just went to college. Is going to college, right? He's uh, going to UCLA Manute Bowl's or UNL- uh, son, Bowl Bowl. Was on the same Yo, team. Yeah, that's his name. That's a dumb um, name, no, Yeah, <laughs> he was on the same. Him and Shaq's son are like best buds or whatever. Played on the same. Imagine playing against those two guys in the same front court in high school. Wow, because that's what people had to do this year. Oh, <laughs> like okay. that's dumb. All right, all right. Uh, I had a couple other things put on there, but let's get to the media tonight's uh, conversation. <laughs> So we got my man Justin in the house, um, producer extraordinaire, one fourth of the dramatics, um, and we're gonna talk. Let's talk. We're gonna talk production tonight. Well, first we'll, we'll talk local artistship, like why a lot of local artists don't make it. We'll talk local producers. We'll talk about the process. It is because we've all, we've all been in that process of trying to figure out how to get to the next level. Um. So, Justin, uh, let's start with you. So, how long you been producing? Oh man, I want to say this goes back to my junior year in high school, Fronty High School. Shout out to FHS. Shout out. Um, <laughs> shout out to Mike Burke. You um. Oh, Mike Burke. Mike I remember. Burke. Mm-hmm. Superman, Super Mike. Um, Mike. And my cousin are the reasons why I am doing what I'm doing today. Okay. Um, and just a long story made real short, as the, as I look back at the beginnings, I always do. Uh, my cousin, um, he was the first person in our family to have a record deal. He was in the industry. Uh, phenomenal project. A phenomenal project. A lot of things that happened, and, you know, which is where 
he's at right now, which he's about to be releasing independently. Do you want to say who um, he is? Oh, Frankie. Yeah. <laughs> Frankie, he, you know, wrote for. Yeah, go ahead. Talk. This is the process. Twelve faith. Uh, I mean, Frankie was in the golden era of R and B and hip hop. Um, back with Big, being being in the studio with Big, uh, Jadakiss before he was Jadakiss, really. Uh, when Jadakiss was just trying to get on with the locks and everything. Um, my cousin was really in the roots with the uh, with the Hitmen, um, the golden era hip hop and R and B. Shout out to Chucky Thompson, local local cat. Chucky Thompson, yeah. <laughs> Chucky Thompson was his uh his executive producer who signed him. I think Frankie was his first artist he signed. Yep. And stuff like that. Yeah. Under Chuck to Life Chucky's records. label or Chuck to Life. Bad Boy? Yeah. Chuck no, Life Chuck Life. Yeah. Chuck Life, okay. Yeah. But um that's a whole long, crazy another story, like epic story I look at right now. Um they're the ones who got me to what I'm doing. Uh I was always interested in music. Growing up as a kid, I was in the band. Uh I, I dibble and dabble between sports and band, sports mm-hmm. and band. Um, played instruments, drums, piano, so on. So I always loved music as a kid. But after my cousin, um, I saw him perform. I didn't know he did music till I saw him at the Sis- For Sisters Only tour. It was him and Usher. Wow. And they are both performing this year. This is <laughs> this how far that goes back. <laughs> I'm just like a little, little kid just learning and everything. And um. And they're like, we're going to see your cousin perform today. He's he's performing with Usher and so on, so this and that, whatever. So I'm he like, had his own set of him. He performed like background with Usher. Or no, he, he had his own set. Oh, okay. And which was crazy at the time. That's like nuts. Usher, Frankie had the bigger crowd. Like people were going crazier over his yeah, songs song big. than Usher. What was the song? The song was big. If he I had, had uh, you, right? if I had you, my heart belongs to you. Oh, that's the album. But if I had you, that was his hit single. And this was in an era where R and B was still supreme. I remember, all right, real quick. I remember, you remember BET Soundstage? Yeah. They used to play his video in that joint. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was like a big deal, like seeing that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yo, this this guy actually has a video. Like, I, I grew up, so I grew up, you know what I mean, with Justin and Frankie. Um, so kind of seeing it in real life, like, yo, this dude, like going from walking down the street singing, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. to like seeing him on a video is wild, man. Not to mention seeing him on stage and like I mean I I knew who Usher was I mean everybody knew who Usher was mm-hmm. coming up and you know um, they're like we're seeing your cousin I'm just like and seeing the girls go crazy and this and that I'm like yo that's my cousin I'm like yo and, and it's like yeah that's me that's fam right there and it was just a an amazing experience and with my love and passion for music I was just like man I want to do I want to do something like that and going to my grandmother's house he'll be over there all the time and just watching him play the piano. I wanted to play the piano, so I started playing, um, at which I learned I was good at playing by ear because I started every chord I heard them play. I started just trying to mimic the chords by sound, mm-hmm. playing and playing, which I also learned I'm very attracted to sounds. Like I, Even when I produce, sounds are what drives my production game, sounds. I'm, I'm a sound-driven person. And um, So anyways, after you know witnessing my cousin, his life, and being a part of that, when I'm in high school playing sports, and you know we're in high school, we're trying to figure out what we want to do. We all want to be sports stars, well, NFL. I wanted to go to NFL. I had to, I had to set I'm going to be in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play for the Bears one day because that's mm-hmm. my father's team. Like you know, I'm going to be a running back. Mm-hmm. I did everything. I, I ran track. All did pretty much all season sports. Anything I could do to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be making the NFL, play college ball. But one day I came across Mike Burke in the Friendly High School parking lot. And there was a crowd of people around his car. 
he's pumping music and everything. And I'm walking over there, yo, what are everybody doing? So I walk over there and see what's up. And everybody, like, yo, they dapping him up. And it's crazy. I didn't know anything about beats mm-hmm. or production. I didn't know anything. I'm just like, oh, what's up, man? This name? He's like, yeah, this is a uh, beat I made on Fruity Loops. And I was like, <laughs> shout out Fruity Loops. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, Fruity Loops, what's that? So he's like, yeah, yeah we'll talk later, whatever. So everybody was dapping up there talking. Um, I think in the parking lot, too, Ken Starr was there. He had me in the parking lot. Um, shout out to Ken. Shout out to Ken. Um, and that's when I start. I just started hanging around him. I started hanging around Mike. I'm like, yo, like, what's Fruity Loops? So me and Mike was already cool, but we started developing our relationship by me asking him questions. I went, like, how'd you make that beat? I saw the crowd going crazy, and I had that same feeling that I saw Frankie that I had when I watched Frankie on stage and the girls going crazy. Seeing everybody around his cards, like, yo, this is crazy. I got like, yo, I want to I want to make beats too. I want to make music. But then, Mike, I never told you this. I also felt, yo, he got him going crazy, but I could have him going crazier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like, what you got to do, though. You, the student will become the teacher. I was like, I mean, the beat's cool. But I was like, I could make a harder beat. So I went to his house. He that showed level me level of competition, man. Yeah, right. and it was healthy competition. Yeah, the, the bro, the Brody, and um, and went to his house. He showed me. He said, "Yeah, actually, you could download a free demo and everything." So I downloaded the free demo, Fruity Loops. He showed me how to sequence, you know, use a sequencer, pick sounds. So I was a quick learner. I just asked. He showed me everything over and over. Once I got home, I got to work. Uh, pulled my little laptop speakers up, my my computer speakers. Took a mic that I had plugged into my radio. This is, yeah, like this. <laughs> you know, I didn't have, I mean, the only thing technological I had was uh, Sega, probably. Like, everything was like, I didn't like, when people had CD players, I still had the tapes mm-hmm. and everything. Right. My folks wouldn't buy me that, so it was like, all right, dang. So, I had my little tape in there, microphone, I just laid it right next to speakers, making beats, making beats. I had one, I was like, yo, this is, this is dope, this is crazy. Made it, recorded, took it to school the next day. Played in his car. Everybody's like, oh, <laughs> I got that. And it was like, yeah, it was from there. It just, that's what I knew. I was like, I got, I got something in me. I can make music and it can move people. And that feeling felt, it was like a, a high like no other. It's a great yeah. feeling. Yeah. So what do you, what have been some of the, the struggles? I know, I know it. But what has been some of the struggles thus far as, as breaking into the music industry? The struggle of, I mean, the biggest struggle I would say is um, really going 100% and chasing your dreams, um, sacrificing everything to get to where you want to get to. Um, we live in a society where it's like, you know, um, I guess our mind frames, are, especially in the DMV area, yeah. is built the same way. Uh, go to school, get a job, or go to college. After that, pick a major, get your career, get married, have a family, like, it's just, that's what it is. Yeah, right. right. Um, we're not in, like, New York City where it's the, the, the spirit of hustlers or whatever, or Cali. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in a government town. And this town is just, it's nothing but government. It's not even a sports town, it's a government town. Mm-hmm. I don't consider this a sports town at all. Um, so, I never really took the risk early because I was still in the, a product of my environment, this town. Which is, I was like, all right, well, next second is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play college football. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a degree. Like, that's how my mind was thinking versus I love music. I make music. I've been playing in bands. I played in churches. Um, I was a drummer for churches, uh, played the piano. Like, I've been in music all my life, but I still followed the system what my environment was because everybody did it. Everybody knew how friendly was. After that, the next thing was we were all going to high school. I mean, we are going to college, whatever. So 
that's the biggest roadblock and struggle was throwing all my eggs in one basket and pursuing it one you know one hundred percent because we got pay bills right right we got to yep. pay bills um and we try to follow our life to the point where we're where we're comfortable and we're okay versus taking that risk mm-hmm. right I think that's the hardest part people we're most of the time we're afraid to take that big leap that it's gonna take to get there like no you know to go hungry to sleep in a car to to do everything you gotta do to to get hurt mm-hmm. I mean I think that's what a lot of it falls off is you got a lot of there's a lot of talent in this area oh yeah but there's there's no drive mm-hmm. I would say and I, I but there's also an other side of it DC does a very poor t- job at championing its artists and and, mm-hmm. and championing its own scene you know what I mean like we've had we have go-go here and that and it thrived for a while but it kind of stayed you know it's in local the, exactly mm-hmm. it's local and even the punk scene the rock scene mm-hmm. um you've had certain bands been, been have been yeah. able to you know kind of skyrocket out of here but it's been kind of few and far between and but a lot of talent and, and it's one of those things where you're like oh i didn't know they were from here exactly rather than like you go up to New York and whoever, whichever borough they're from, they're mm-hmm. repping the shit out of them. Right. You know, oh, you know, day, every New York artist. Yeah. They, yeah. They, you know, you know, every artist from Cali. You know what like, street they lived on, you know, yeah. all, all that kind of stuff. How much drugs they had to sell, who <laughs> right. they sold it to. You yeah. know, all that. Like, and you don't, you can't get that out with Go-Go because a lot of, a lot of Go-Go is. It doesn't make covers. it out of here. Yeah, you it's it's cover tracks. Yeah. Or I mean, Chuck tried to keep it going as long as he, you know, as long as he could to keep it original. But then yeah. it became ch- cover tracks, and but then, then it's like where, like you know, you know, Bruce Springsteen is from New Jersey, you know right. what I mean? Wiz Khalifa right. is from Pittsburgh, Snoop is from L.A. Yeah, you know, now we know Wale is from here, but right, you know, who else? I mean, but before, after him, right. they, this they're just now starting to champion these right. guys. You know? I can yeah. tell you, I mean, we had there was a couple of. You know, local artists that made like Tony Braxton, maybe one of the biggest ones. Genuine was high for a uh, while. Devon. Huh? Raheem Devon. Raheem Devon. But He's was still anybody going. like you know Tony Braxton? I know we were like from, yeah. people from here were like that's DC. That's DC. Tony Braxton. Right. But was the rest of the world like right? That, exactly. Know? Did did she even? Did she? I mean, she admitted she was. She said she was from Maryland. I mean, mm-hmm. I know Genuine repped it. Maya. Maya, yeah, who's still? I mean, she's on the independent level now. We have people like Tanya. She's still Blunt. bad, by the way. Mm-hmm. She's still. Oh, I follow her on Instagram. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. she just released yeah. some new music. Yeah, it's all and, independent. And she's right. still fire. Yes, right. That hasn't uh, changed. Right. Tanya Blunt. I mean, there's been. Oh yeah. There's, there's been chances, mm-hmm. but like I said, uh, I, think, I think it's just this area. Like, there's nobody. There's, we we're not outside of Gogo. Um, there's nothing identifiable to make DC unique because I just think it's a government town and right. uh, it's a very transient yeah. city. Like there's a lot of people that live here that aren't from here mm-hmm. that didn't grow up here. Right. And there's a lot of people that grew up here and end up moving away. Like it just unlike some of the other major cities around the country, like people are generally coming here from all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's, it's, the culture of D.C. is, is different than uh, other major cities. Right. Like, it's just, um, it going to be that way by the nature of the fact mm-hmm. that it is a government right. city. It's like you, you know? have a whole, you have a whole culture of people who, who, who grew up here and stay here. And then, but then everyone else comes here for a little while and right. leaves. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we also grew up, I think the era that we were in is if you weren't. 
we went into sports, you were into music. Mm-hmm. Everybody was a, was making beats when we were in high school and transitioning to college. What do you do? I make beats too. What I mean? So it was saturated with beat maker. I mean, some of them were decent. Some of them were like, oh god, and then some of them were like, okay, like good, like you know, you had a few. They were few and far, but everybody was doing it, so it became harder for what I realized to separate yourself because you got a million one beat makers out of mm-hmm. DC, and so but the industry yeah. wasn't checking for it back then. Right? Yeah, the industry was not checking for DC at all. Like you had to leave. Yeah, yeah. To to do anything. I mean, you yeah. had. Um, What's the dude that did A. Marie's One Thing and Beyonce's Crazy yeah, in Love? Rich Harris. I mean, he had a, a flame for a little bit. I mean, I don't know where he is now. Yeah, I, I mean, I know he's still working. Yeah, right. the sound has um, changed. Yeah. Chuck, Frank, well, Chucky Frankie Thompson. In, yeah, Frankie's been in touch or at some point share with me what he knows. Like, he's still working. It's right. just not on the level of where he's at. And But also, right. music has evolved so much. Right. Um, from last I heard or understood, you know, just from what I heard, he's still in his same pocket of what he does, and music, you know, in this lane has evolved. Right. right. So your audience has grown, the audience pool just right. evaporated pretty much. Right. And you, you were able to say so you were in, you were in college and you you met Steve. Yeah, yeah. That's when everything took off to a whole another level. Um, I started really getting into my craft as a artist producer, songwriter. And I, well, I say artist, producer, songwriter because um, certain minds, I think it comes naturally. Like my mom was a poet. I, I learned that um, from my sister after she passed away. My sister told me your mom wrote some of the most beautiful poetry. She was a phenomenal writer. She just gave it up when she had us. And I learned a lot about my mother on that side. Um, and I was like, oh, this is all right. So the apple don't fall too far from the tree because I have song. I've had songs in my head all the time. Even when I worked with artists and so on. So I've this, I think you should write it like this. I think you say it like that. And I'm producing them, even their vocal arrangements. So as I got to college, met Steve, um, and things started to take off and grow, I started to really find out who I was musically. Um, things started to take off because I'm now switching my major to be a music business technology major at our school. Our program, um, shout out to John C. Smith University, <laughs> it, uh, it mimicked, got to put the plug in there. there you go. No, no, that's all good. What's up? It, uh, it mimicked University of Miami's program. So, um, and I was at the forefront of that. Um, I was at the very beginning of the program where we were part of the, uh, I was a, a, teacher's, a teacher's aide, assisting in purchases for the studios, um, layouts. Like, I was a part of everything from the foundation. Mm-hmm. So, meeting Steve, and Steve brought me to that because Steve was a music business major. I started out as a CJ major, I, you know, as trying to figure out what I want to do. I want to do something cool. If I figure I, figure I wasn't playing ball no more, I was like, all right, I'm being FBI. Do something cool. I know it's polarizing left field, or whatever. But I'm being the FBI, have a badge and the gun, Martin, all that stuff. Black car and all that black like, suit. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, so um, you know how all the films are, and you see how it goes. I, I was like, I want to do that now. Yeah. Even though it's nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I had an FBI agent I met tell me that life is not like that. What you see in the movies. And then you know, so yeah. I'm like, all right. I met actually after that, I met that agent. Um, that's a crazy story. I met Steve, and I don't know if this was God throwing him in my life or not, but Steve lived across the hall, like maybe two room, rooms down from me. And I had my uh, I had my keyboard in there. The school gave us laptops. I had I had Fruity Loops too on that download, <laughs> Fruity Loops and stuff like that. So I think Steve heard me, and my door was open at one point. I think he heard me making some beats, and he was walking past, and he's like, "Yo, you do music?" He's like, "Yo, I rap." 
He's like, yo, we should get together sometime. So I'm like, oh, all right, cool. And we somehow in between over the months, I just started, just like with Mike Burke, I started like going where he's going, going, you know, what do you do, blah, blah. I'm in the music, I'm a music business major, so I'm going to the to the music labs from this and that. And I decided to change my major. I was like, I want, I want to do music. And ever since then, that's when it that's when it was just like a snowball effect. Right. Music um, music major, uh, music theory class, internships. Now I'm at music conferences. Like it was a big snowball effect. And while we're in the process, we're making records. Then we produce an album. Then we're meeting people at uh, other execs and this and that. And it was just a snowball effect to a lot of great things that happened over the years, um, which has me to where I'm at right now, um, which is why I'm still driven because we're close to a lot of great things. Um, right. Still are, right. in a sense, but individually. And that, But that proves that there's not an overnight su- success story like a lot of people think it is. I mean, right. you know, you have the... Some of it that may be overnight success story, it's a 15-minute flame. It's, right. it's, it's, it's in and it's out. It's quick. But that longevity comes from that grind, that struggle mm-hmm. um, of putting in the work. Because no, nobody's going to let you in their business with only 15 minutes of knowledge. Right. Nobody's going to give you any any portion of their power of not knowing nothing about mm-hmm. it. And this, this journey's been phenomenal because, you know, you've been a part of a lot of journey and even the dramatics with Joel. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, we had, we had a actually... What was that? We had a production deal offered to us right. from that was his at the label. studio. DC, yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like the first production deal offered we, to us. Then as we a went team. to see yeah, my uncle, uncle. Oh, right. the lawyer. Yeah, we went. Yeah, yeah, exactly. we got, we, so we got deals thrown in front of. We got contracts put in front of us to be like the house producers for. I don't remember the name studio. of it. Yeah, it was house house what, studio. No, whatever the name of the studio. Powerhouse. 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 That's what yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. And. Oh, because cause at first we were they were BSing like oh, we oh I got contracts for y'all right yeah, now we, I got we right now put, we actually like wrote wrote out a whole quote like how to build a studio out yeah yeah what yeah. equipment you need to get uh-huh. went and then, to stores and stuff with them all kinds of stuff yeah right and then and then something happened to the point where they got mad we we came yeah. at them for something they got mad and they were like. No, we got contract. I'm ready to get y'all contracts tonight. Like, right? Because it was two dudes. It was the dude that owned it. Then it was like his his A and R, his apprentice, yeah, right? Yeah. Some dude that like, that he, did all he, his dirty work. I mean, from from what I remember that night, he turned Sig Knight on us. It was at the at the at the <laughs> at we were at, uh, it was. It Ruby was like Tuesdays, there. right? Is that yeah. Ruby nah, Tuesdays? Well, nah, he was talking about in the oh. office at the studio. Oh, yeah. so I wasn't there. <laughs> you, oh, you weren't there that night. Yeah, he was like had, had sat down at the glass table, like slid over the contract. <laughs> You know, and then in that joint was like, I get fifty percent of every yeah, so of all the break, money you make. We break down yeah, the contract, whether or not we were doing, you know, anything exactly for years to come. Yeah. So and it was contracts are normally for people who haven't seen them. They're like ten pages most of the time, front and back sometimes, mm-hmm. and it's layered with wording, mm-hmm. nothing but wording. Legally, but like yeah. So what is it? We'll say. Uh, subtitle A may be overwritten by subtitle Q, and A could say, you know, we're gonna you're gonna get all the money that you make. You know, we'll put it in a bank account for you, and it's gonna go towards production. You know, anything in, in instruments you need for production costs. Then you get the Q says, well, any money that you made for production costs that you made in subtitle A is recruitable, uh, recruitable mm-hmm. from the label, and we could take the money. Therefore, anything that you so pretty much the contract broke it down to any creative aspect that we had they were over the control. deal. They could control. They could right. take it. They could put their name on it. Right. And we were just, yeah. And these guys were producers. Like I'm a DJ. I was, I was making money outside of, 
you know, what we were doing mm-hmm. as far as production goes. And I was like, nah. Like, we ain't, right? <laughs> and I remember we were at Ruby Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. And Keith. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to Keith. Shout out to Keith. Keith was sitting at the table. And the dude, Keith was, he was, he was, he was sizzling the whole time before we got to this meeting. Keith was just sitting there. He couldn't stay, couldn't stay still. And then as soon as the dude came down, before you said anything, or he tried to explain the contract, Keith was like, fuck this, I'm out. And just walked inside <laughs> the parking lot before we could even sit down and talk about anything. Y'all remember that? I remember that, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was, was ready like... to negotiate then. Yeah, and so, needless to say, nobody But he did ever... try to press us out at first. He wasn't trying to negotiate at first. And yeah, then we yeah. did the Ruby Tuesday thing. Then he was all of a sudden he realized ready, we got ready smarter. to negotiate. We got smarter. We yeah. get, 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 get that shit to an attorney. And protect yourself. Yeah, he, wasn't, not, he wasn't expecting that. Right. No. Yeah, I remember he was at the, all that. He was like, you know, give me the keys back to the studio. I'm like, you had the keys. Yeah, okay. the keys, Take the dog. Keys. He tried to get the keys back. Like, nah, yeah. we reacted, man. Right. <laughs> give me the was, keys. Right. No, you like, can't. He didn't give us anything. Like, we brought all our own equipment. The mm-hmm. only thing he had was a, a nice Control 24 Pro Tools board mm-hmm. that we could record on. But we already had all the equipment. We had Pro Tools already. Yeah, right. I, was, I was bringing the, the board, the NPCs, right. bringing everything. We were, I was bringing the MP, yeah. Yeah, he was bringing the MP, turntables. Um, we was building the sound library up in there, like put, like making records for the library, for the artists coming through. Like we was, right. we So was, was his thing that he just wanted to be in the industry, didn't know anything about it, and felt like he could find, produce a team to leech off of? That could get him where he wanted. Or did he know anything about music? That's what that sounds like. Because I don't, Sheesh. I don't, I don't remember him giving me any. He knew the knowledge, he knew the, the wording, mm-hmm. but I don't think he. I don't remember him doing anything else. They were bringing in artists. Yeah, they, they okay, that's, yeah, that's okay. In. They were bringing yeah. in artists. I remember, yeah, he, he had like some ties to like. I guess he had some BET ties, mm-hmm. um, even for projects, or whatever. And I think some were for some BET films and things, things okay. of that nature, or whatever. So he had he had work, right. Um, it and was then, just a, uh, Dennis, you know, shout out to Dennis. Yeah, shout out to Dennis. Rado. Uh, bringing Dennis, artist yeah. too. Um, yeah, we, and, nah, I was about to say, we met, um, did Dennis come, I'm like, cause Dennis and Frankie are boys. Dennis is who introduced us Yeah, Dennis to, introduced us to, yeah. To, to Joe. Yeah, Dennis, you introduced all that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you at right now with, with music, what what's, what are you what are you working oh, on? I'm in a really really I'm excited for the place I'm at, and I'm not mad at the journey at all. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I would like to when I make it to the top of my mountain one day. Uh, I would like to be on a platform and on the stage where I can just easily call somebody like Let me call J Cole real quick mm-hmm. uh, and just just rap for a little bit because I'm curious of everybody's process, the stages when they go through their frustration. Because I know every artist goes through their frustrating frustration stage or the okay now everything's on point like um it's rolling everything's clicking i'm on fire right now and then the drop off whatever mm-hmm. um everything i went through from discovering i want to make music to where i'm at now all totally worth it right. where I, am i where i want to be right now nah i want to right. be on top of the mountain but i'm enjoying the process and i wouldn't change anything about it um right now i'm by far a trillion times greater writer, producer. Um, my thought process is even better. And even in this process of creating this album right now, I'm actually really learning who I am. Really learning who I am. Um, so let's talk about that. What, what's, what's the title? Oh, uh, Deconstruction of a Flying J. Repeat that one more time, just in case. Deconstruction of a Flying J. Okay. So what is so what is what have you found out about yourself? What what is this album going to consist of? 
Um, this this album consists of it's a taste of everything that moves me. Um, I'm very sound driven, so I'm not even. I was letting Frankie hear the album earlier today, and he one of the things he said was like, "I don't know if this is rap or hip hop. This isn't EDM or electronic or." But this is something a rapper to be on, or like a you know an artist can be on. But this is so sound driven. He said, like you always been sound driven, like you know, like the sounds are dope in here. It's it, he said it's rhythmic, it's very rhythmic, drum cadences, this and that. So I see the hip hop elements, but it's it's different. I don't really know how to classify it. And that's probably and, a good word that you want going into working on a project. Is different if you can't classify it as one thing, and just sonically it gives somebody. Multiple feelings. I mean, I, that, to so far, I haven't heard anything. It sounds uh, sounds like you're on the right path. And see, I I didn't look at it that way. I because I'm as so which I even making this album. What I learned is I'm a true. I love rap. Mm-hmm. I love rap music. I learned that um, even in the process of this, uh, looking back through my catalog of just songs I have in my iTunes or Google Play, um, I'm a rap head. 100%. Note, I love all music. I have Radiohead all throughout my life. I have every genre, and I love all music. And I think it sonically sounds, but it's something about hip-hop and rhythm with the clash of sounds that really, really drive me. Right. Um, and it's an energy that's like no other. So um, my project is the deconstruction of a flying J. I was trying to figure myself out. Like every album, you feel the soul and spirit of a person in the album. Sometimes not necessarily on their first album. Like, Kendrick's first project is way different than the Kendrick now. Oh, I feel yeah. like Kendrick blossomed who he is right now. Mm-hmm. Versus even on his first project, or even, uh, uh, what was that, Sector 8 project? I mean, Section, Section 8. 8. Section 8. Um, I heard Kanye in him. I heard so many different rappers and artists, mm-hmm. but also people that he probably inspired, I mean, was inspired by, loved, inspired to be like, whatever. And so that's what this project was, a, a sum of finding out who I am as an artist and yeah. producer. Who so it's a it's a mix it's a it's a mix of sounds it really is a mix of sounds. Who are your top three producers? Top three producers. Oh, uh, I just recently recently dis- discovered this. Um, RZA moved up to number one. The RZA moved up to number one for me. We, we talked about this at work the other day. One of our coworkers <laughs> said RZA. Yeah. Okay. Go um, ahead. I, I love RZA. Um, uh, and next. it was a surprising pick just because. Yeah. He's a white. Patriots fan from New England. Right. <laughs> so I was like, what? Yeah, it, was, it was so random. We're like, huh? Who said that? Yeah. <laughs> like Rizza, um, second one, Pharrell. I feel like mentally, uh, Pharrell, you don't know this. We're on the same wavelength. Like mentally, we're on. I, no. I, I think we can sit down in a room and vibe and really, really be on the same page in our ideas and sounds. And I really resonated with that. Um, the album he did and when he was basing all around seeing sounds. Mm-hmm. I really, the, oh, the see, NDR, NDR, NDRD that, joint? Yeah, that spoke to me a lot. That joint, I, I really, mm-hmm. really understood where he was coming yeah, from. I like the day. intro on that one with the shower. Yeah, that, oh, man. That's, yeah. that's dope. Um, and number three, uh, it's a flip toss. Uh, I'm not saying this because of the tie, family ties I have to meeting this person and stuff like that. But it's it's either gonna be um Swiss Beats or Just Blaze. Okay. Um Swiss Beats has an energy that I just I just love. Um even as a rapper, I love him as a rapper. And he's not a rapper. 
but right. I love hearing him as I love hearing him as rap. That's no, how I even Swiss look at myself. Gives you good classic kind of ad libs. I mean, like, Swiss has always been good mm-hmm. on the track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those those are uh, those are my I would say I have a top two. My top three will be either between Just Blaze and uh, Swiss Beats because I'm all about that percussion and rhythm. Right. I'm trying to paint a picture sounds. for the people listening of where we're going to production wise where we're going with the album. So now, I know what kind of producer you are. I, I've, I've but may have heard once the one new album thing, but. I feel is a sum of everything that's really current right now, up to whether it's you know Europe or here in America, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, I really feel like everything I did on this album, um, it speaks to everybody. Right. It speaks to the trap generation. It speaks to the EDM generation. It speaks to people who love sounds like me. Um, uh, and a lot of electronic dance music or uh, dubstep. Heavy synth, heavy synths, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. phenomenal um, arrangements through synths, um, and my album has a taste of all of that. Do you feel like as producers, you have to? It's almost written that you have to do an album because a lot of artists won't be able to bring out your full vision that you may have. Yes, yeah. I, I at this point right now, I'm I'm 100 with that. Uh, as a producer, I feel like we're always, if you're just a producer, you're really at the, um, you only go as far as the artist you're with. Right. That's it. So that means still as a producer, you being an individual, your life is dependent on somebody else. Right. And when you depend on somebody else, it's. That's why I was shocked Just Blaze never dropped the album. Because he went, I mean, the whole Rockefeller movement and, you know, he had, but I would have loved to hear just his side of things. Like. Cause Jay can give you, you know, PSA, but how would ju- how would just give you PSA? You know, that's that's the thing. So I would I would love to hear Pharrell's done it. Obviously, I mean, for mm-hmm. you you know the kind of person for Kanye's done it, mm-hmm. RZA's done it, uh, Timbaland's done it. Whether it's good or not, but you at least get a visual of where they see their music. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Just Blaze is like a like you know DJ at heart too, like a DJ. Right. I don't think that that side of the uh, field never interested him. In my opinion, I don't think it did. Um, especially as a DJ, like when you're a DJ, I don't know too many DJs who ever venture off. I, you know, I'm sure there has been to want to be artists themselves mm-hmm. or be performers outside of a outside of being a DJ performer, but you know, a spoken word performer, artist, rap artist, singer, whatever the case is. And when you're a producer, I think some producers. This is the idea, um, and I've heard this before. They end up remaining producers because they don't have the ability to write or rap or sing. So since they can't do it, they just want to make beats for those people that do that. Right. And then you have those people that's talented or who are blessed with some God-given ability to write, sing, arrange, whatever, who decide, hey, I can not only make my own records, produce my own records, I can write the songs and perform them myself as I see them or would do for an artist. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you've, there's been some phenomenons. You got Neo. Yeah. yeah. That, that, uh, Drake has been a... A writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have to think dream. about like there's got there's a certain personality mm-hmm. that you have to have to be able to be like a performer. solo artist specifically or performer. Like there's general like in a band for example, you can't have your most timid dude be the frontman. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. it's that's not a recipe for success. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you there there's a certain you have to have a certain amount of confidence in yourself. And you have to be able to take criticism because you're literally putting yourself out there. And there's, I'm sure, 
plenty of really talented producers who just don't have that. Yeah. And so, and you know and there's plenty of artists who we can look at and be like man they're not all that talented like they're 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 not like the most skilled at what they do but maybe their stage presence or their live show is just over the top right. and that that can be enough mm-hmm. to carry you right. and so I know, I know for me like being a DJ is more fun than being a producer like I still love the act of like sitting on you know an NPC and banging out something. But I only like that for like three hours. You know what I mean? Whereas when you're a DJ, you get that instant gratification. You play a record, people respond, people are having fun. That energy is very, you know, seductive. So back to the back to the band thing real quick. Um, or groups. Um, so there's all when you have these groups, there's always one guy that stands out. Like, okay, this guy, Cisco, for instance. He's gonna be he's gonna be the guy, Beyonce, she's gonna be the person. Right. It's gonna break solo, and this is just a, a stepping stone for their next their next thing. So Justin Timberlake, Justin Timberlake. So when you have people who uh, Steven Tyler, Steven Tyler yeah. broke away from Aerosmith. How hard is it to find your own sound when you're that? If, if you're him, because he's the front, he's the he's the lead man for Aerosmith. So his voice is gonna be the same if you give him a solo part. Like I don't understand how he's how you the struggle or how he separates himself from. Aerosmith or Steven Tyler. I think that's something that it's that's more so for like the fans and the listeners. Because for him, he's like, you know, I'm regardless of whether I'm in Aerosmith or doing my own thing, I'm still Steven Tyler. And, you know, whatever influence he had over the writing process in a band, you would think that if anything, assuming, you know, he's being a major contributor, that it's if anything, he's just going to have more control now. And it's going to be, you know, maybe his version of what, you know, what he actually wants the sound to be. Because I find this always when that happens, they have to go completely left right. to separate. They, they try to completely left to separate themselves from, we'll say, or Bon Jovi. Because you don't want to, like, sound the exact same. Yeah, like, but, you know, what am, I, what am I getting here? But, I mean, you look at someone like Justin Timberlake, who... If anything, he just moved more into the R and B aspect of pop. Right. Well, and he got he got a team. He put. I mean, he got a different team behind him that can right. give him a completely different sound. Right. And you know, and so it's one of those things where I feel like if you're coming from a a band mm-hmm. and you were a a focal point of that, a lot of the the front men are. You know, you have the, some of those instances where, like, you know, you have Slash, and a lot everyone knows who Slash is, mm-hmm. um, not just Axl Rose. Mm-hmm. And Slash can go and start a band, and people are going to follow. Mm-hmm. Like you Dave Grohl, kind right, of. Right, right, exactly. But it's, I feel like it's more common for people to get latched on to a singer or a performer and then just follow them wherever they go, regardless of what the project might be. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they're generally propped up as the face or whatever like i don't i don't know if skrillex would have risen to the level that he did without him already have being the front man for uh from first to last and people were like like he enjoyed some success in the the emo rock scene and then just all of a sudden became one of the biggest like djs in the world or whatever like it's wild but like he was it's not like he came out of nowhere. He, he 
did shift completely, kind of like what you're talking about, going from like screaming, growling music mm-hmm. to what Skrillex is doing dubstep. But you know, it, it it all goes back to being able to actually have the personality to do something right. like that, to be able mm-hmm. to take that risk. You know, mm-hmm. and circling back real quick when you said that. You made me realize, too, I was on a Foo Fighters kick for, like, three years straight heavy. <laughs> uh, sorry, Swizzy, but David Grohl has to bump. He bumps up to number three. <laughs> uh, and uh, that, and shout out to the Black Cat. Uh, when I learned he owns a Black Cat. Um, wow, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's what? dope. Mm-hmm. And wow. our, in, in, in the nation's capital, David Grohl. The Black, he, yeah, he's been there a couple times. I missed the shows. I used to work next door. Mm-hmm. So when he had a show there, I would see I would see the the bus, I would see the bus back there. I've happened to go into the back of my job when I was there in the back alley, and mm-hmm. I couldn't be that dude like, oh snap, yo. <laughs> but um, he's yeah. definitely one that represent, represents DC. Like he brought out, he did oh, shows he's with from Trouble Funk. Springfield. Yeah, yeah, he records out here in VA and yeah. out Maryland. But even like he did, Foo Fighters did a show at RFK, and they brought out Trouble Funk. That's the I did hear my dad yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So I mean He's definitely one that represents He's, you know, he's one of the most yeah. talented dudes Yes yeah. Like yeah. Like people forget that he played drums in Nirvana You know Like people I mean? like yeah, People I, don't yeah, even You, can't you know Nirvana is like one of the You know Greatest bands of all time Like uh, I Invented com- a genre I compare right? them to Like Biggie Because yeah. they didn't have A whole lot of content yeah. Before yeah. Dave Grohl passed away. Right. And so, and you know, you're never going to be, Bain, yeah. or Kirk Cobain. Yeah, 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 my bad, my bad. Um, so then it allowed those guys to branch off and look what Dave Grohl's done, right. you know, since. Right. Right. Wow. Um, who are your, some of your rapping? And so have you figured out this album, are you going to be rapping, singing? I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I made it clear to my cousin, a few other people who are very curious. Uh, I'm not a rapper. Like, I'm not a rapper. I, I consider Jada to be a rapper. Jada, mm-hmm. Jada Kiss, one of my favorite rappers. He's a rapper. Pusha T is a rapper. Pusha T, is, by the way, is in my top three favorite rappers of all time. People would look at me like, for real? Like, you crazy. Pusha over Malice? Yes. Okay. I just like, it's just like Pusha T is my, no, no, I don't, I'm not a drug user. I don't do <laughs> drugs. I don't, I can't relate to the Coke game, whatever this name is. <laughs> He is his delivery and his, his content is so much richer than that. Yeah, of course, over a lot of records, he talked about it a lot, but his content is so much richer than that. And mm-hmm. his delivery is amazing. But um, um, hands down, I was saying Pusha T. Uh, what's it? And my mind's race because I had when you said that something else is popping in my mind. Um, run that question back one more time. So who, who you're, oh, sorry, are you yeah, yeah, singing? So, are you rapping? So like, I'm, what are you? I'm, I'm a, I'm not, I'm not a rapper. I am an artist on there. Okay. Um, it might be like some type of rap singing, but it's not going to be um, like J Cole rap sings. Right. Um, so maybe some rap singing on some tracks. There. Um, I'm an artist on the song, so like for real, I don't consider him a rapper, but he raps, he spits on tracks. So, I'm, I look at myself just as an artist who has a rap flow and rap cadence. I'm 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 definitely ready to cut these mics off and and hear what we hear what we got. <laughs> Private listeners, right. just, just yeah, he, he's, he's, sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> just to know that I'm I'm really excited for release this project. I'm I'm reaching out to a lot of folks. I'm I'm getting some, I'm building some good relationships with um people to shoot videos. Um, like I've been 
underground, like I've been underground really, really behind the scenes working really hard at building this project up. So when it's time to release it, which I want to release it, uh, unless unless the good Lord has other plans, I really want this to be finished, done. I want to be on a move doing shows by January 1st, 1st 2019. And, so, and real quick, I, I will say, I know Justin's work ethic. Um been doing it for a while and then even like just the the private sessions just you and i when we've been working on stuff like something good or great has always come out of those just listening or vibing sessions that we've done there's been a couple of them and then i may be stuck somewhere or he may be stuck somewhere and one of us will say something and then it just it takes something to a whole different level give a whole new twist of of just just the vibing that we have so i i'm interested to see where you are um and we'll, we'll talk about the stuff you're doing for other people outside of this is about you right now. So we'll, we'll talk about that later, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear where we're at. Uh, when do you want to be done with it? Uh, I want to be done in December. Um, I want to be finished. That's a good time. I want to be mm-hmm. finished um, all recording. Uh, I want to be done everything and at least have um, two or three visuals. Yeah. There done. you go. I heard that um, this came in. I heard that uh, you've been working with MC Hammer for your lead single. He's going to help write <laughs> Help write your first single, MC Hammer. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm. I actually take when you say that. I'm taking pride though in the fact, like, um, I thought at one point, what if I, what if I enlisted someone to, you know, assist me with the songwriting? Because I'm writing songs on some of them are just raps and some are songs, mm-hmm. but. I really took a lot of pride into like this is me. Like this is the album's deconstruction of a Flying J. Um, I don't need co-writers on like this is just me finding me and I want to go through the process and I'm not actually the biggest pitfall trying my biggest pitfall before is I wanted people to like my music I wanted people to like the beat so you work against yourself you're actually not producing at a great volume uh, rather this volume uh, the content the quality the energy it's nothing true there's no truth in your music because you're trying to please somebody so um this is the first time I ever really, really enjoyed making music because it's just it's it's raw, it's me, and I'm writing everything whether somebody likes it or not. Somebody's gonna like it. It's over 7.5 billion people in this world. Exactly. All I need is one percent. Exactly. People are like yo, I rock with you. Exactly. And Japan is waiting. If 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 they don't get no love here, which I, I'll find it hard to believe that you won't. But they international love ain't nothing like getting on that on that platform. Yeah, whenever. and shout out shout out to Daniel Dan D Hall. What's up, man? Because Dan has really put me on to this uh, Euro scene um, music over there shows. Like we're really building up a blueprint. Right. Um, he's been rocking with me. He's been in my corner. Uh, he's been a supporter of the dramatics uh, behind the scenes. Just like y'all, like do y'all thing, man. He's been a big supporter of myself for years and stuff like that. And he's really helped me. Uh, shift over to the Europe scene, which I'm actually mm-hmm. targeting more than here. But also, as you yeah. know, I have to do shows here. I need to, I need to do my shows to make my presence felt here. I'm really you. excited about Amsterdam. We've been talking a lot about it. Um, we we got it all right here in this room. We've got a, the platform is here. We've got the um, we are something else podcast. We can yeah. do over there. We got the the DJ that's gonna get everybody hyped. <laughs> we got Sick and Buster that can go <laughs> ahead and go. Then we got yes, yes. Yeah. We got Justin, and then you know, there's a spot for me in there somewhere. But uh, that's the show right there. We can figure this out. We can do it. Make it happen. Um, real quick, give you all your social media contacts and uh, where people can reach you, where we can find the project when it's done. Or Well, you can find me. I'm finally emerging back on social media. <laughs> I, I, I've been like, when I say I've been off the grid, off the grid. Totally off. So I think this is my first year strong back. Um, 
777 yours truly 777 that's my ig handle um i will be posting content soon i will put up a sound mark has been like yo soundcloud 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 mark's been like TNT Put that shit been out, like, man. Stop exactly. playing. SoundCloud. He's <laughs> been telling me that years. SoundCloud. Sound. So I'm going to get on SoundCloud and get that rock, and I'm going to get the website pushed up and oh, everything. Um, yeah. And I'm, uh, I will leak some material, put some out there um, very, very soon, guys. Very soon. Uh, producer name. Producer name is yours truly. Artist name, Justin. Government name, Justin. Yo, that's it. That's uh, we are something else. W e r s u m t h i n e l s e on all platforms. Yes, uh, we don't need to list them all, but we're there. Just look us up. <laughs> you can't find us uh, by that. Uh, you can just look up W R S C podcast, and that should pop up as well. Yeah. Uh, Superfly, go ahead. Give uh, the other other plugs. Uh, Superfly friends. Uh, new season coming up soon. I've been slacking, but you know we keeping this thing going. So auxiliary I'm still moving. The auxiliary d dash aux dot com. Um, my social media is superfly underscore TNT everywhere. Uh, so Google me. All right, Boom. real quick for for the soul, since um, two of us are partaking. Uh, <laughs> CB, what are you, what are you rocking tonight? Because uh, those are fresh. Yeah, I got the uh, the triple black desert rats on the Yeezy seven hundreds. So something yeah. slight flexing. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, Justin, uh, you got something special on back there too. What are you rocking? Yeah. I, um, I actually forgot the name of these. They're the Nike Air Force Ones. Um, like the boots. They're, they're, they're Nike boots. The combat uh, boots. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like. The, I love the paracord around the military paracord around there. Um, I'm a big. I'm a big fan of ox blood colors, maroon, dark maroons, dark reds. So. Yeah, these my uh, with the gum sole. These yeah, my uh, can't my, go wrong with the, with the gum sole. Let's do it. Okay. All right, guys. Let's be on something else. Boom. About to get this listening session in, <laughs> and we are gonna let y'all know if that shit sucked. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>